Amen. It's good to see you in the house of the Lord tonight. It's going to be a great night. We've got a missionary family with us, Brother Sportsman. They are, I thought, to South Africa, but it's actually West Africa. We're delighted that they're here. This is a missions-loving and a missions-giving church, and I'm glad that they could come and share a service with us. Brother Sportsman, come. He's got three beautiful kids. If you feel it in your heart to bless them, why don't you do that tonight? There's one of them right there, the little man that's the boss of the house. And then two beautiful, I mean, just drop-dead gorgeous little girls that will steal your heart away. So if you want to bless those kids, why don't you do that before service is over? They'll be back in when they get through out there. God bless you. Brother Sportsman, glad to have you tonight. God bless you. Praise the Lord, everyone. How many of you are thankful to be a part of the most powerful thing on planet Earth? Amen. This world may be in trouble. Our country may be in trouble. Our government may be in trouble. But guess what? The church of the living God is not in trouble. Amen. I'm thankful to be a part of the church. Amen. Because the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Amen. In Jesus' name, it's such a privilege to be here with you all uh, this evening. Such a beautiful building and, and everything. We thank you so much, Pastor Hughes, for allowing our family to, to come and to share with you what Jesus is doing in our generation in West Africa. How many of you believe that God is up to something? Amen. He's up to something. And I've got news for the devil. The kingdom of God is not shrinking. The kingdom of God is expanding, amen, because our God doesn't move backwards. He moves forward, amen, in Jesus' name. I'm just excited tonight to be a part of the church and what Jesus is doing in our midst. You may be seated. I, uh, I give honor to my wife and my three children, and uh, we do have three children traveling with us under the age of four, and so we appreciate your prayers tonight. We need uh, all the grace of God that we can get, and, uh, and so you'll be hearing from my wife here in a few minutes, but I'm thankful to have my family traveling with me because, you know, there's nothing like doing ministry together as a family, and so I appreciate them, and uh, I give honor to this church. You know, the fact that uh, me and my family are here lets us know that you have a heartbeat for missions. And I know we've got home missions, I know we've got global missions, but you know what, it's all the same mission, right? We're all on the same team, we're all pushing in the same direction, trying to take this glorious truth into every dark corner of the globe, amen? And so I'm thankful to be in a church that has a heartbeat for missions. But um, So we come to you tonight on behalf of the Church of Burkina Faso, West Africa. Now, I'm going to give you a little geography lesson, I guess, for a couple minutes, but who in here has actually heard of that country before? And, you know, I'm not at all surprised by that response, uh, because a lot of people don't know that the country even exists. But uh, so if you've never heard of Burkina Faso, then I'm going to venture to say that you probably have never heard of the city of Ouagadougou either, have you? Let alone tried to spell it, right? It seems like they've used just about every letter in the alphabet, I think, to uh, spell the name of that city. But Ouagadougou is the capital city 
of Burkina Faso. I really don't know how else to say it, but it is a place, church, that is absolutely overflowing with people. There is over 17.1 million people in Ouagadougou, Burkina Faso. 17 million people, and it's, it's quite fitting because I say it all the time, but that country is half the size of Texas, and we're actually in Texas tonight, so um, somebody in here at least will kind of have that visual in mind. The country is half the size of Texas with 17 million people in it, and tonight there's only 13 apostolic churches in the entire country. I'm thankful for the growth that has happened. I'm thankful that the walls of idolatry, the walls of false doctrine are coming down. But you know, 13 churches for 17 million people, there's still a lot of work left to be done. Amen. And what a need tonight. I mean, because where would we be, right, without the church? Where would we be without a place to come and gather with believers of like precious faith? Where would we be without a place to come and have a pastor preach the word of God to us? We are so very blessed tonight. You all are so very blessed tonight. And there are places that aren't as fortunate as you and I are tonight. They don't have a building. Furthermore, they've never even heard the name of Jesus before in their lives. I think sometimes that's hard for us to comprehend. But it's a, it's a literal, literal reality tonight. And and 17 million people. And so we want to be the ones to, to sow the seed of our life into the harvest field and just see what God's going to do. Amen. Because he told us he's going to reap an end time harvest. He told us that he's going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And so we're looking for him to do exactly that in Burkina Faso. And we're thankful for it. And I could, you know, I really could stand here until I'm blue in the face and tell you countless stories and after story after story of what God is doing in Burkina Faso. And we would probably be here until midnight, and I don't think you want me to do that. So what I want to do is I want to just kind of step out of the way for a couple minutes, and I want to show a quick video, and just to kind of give you a snapshot in your mind's eye, if you will, of what Jesus is in fact doing in West Africa. So if you could, just watch with us. Burkina Faso, a country located in the sub-Saharan region of French-speaking West Africa. A nation of over 17 million souls. The dusty streets are vibrant with life and color. There are babies strapped to their mother's back. The sound of rusty wheels from a donkey cart. The greeting of cheerful, smiling faces. It's a place where the heat scorches you by day and the mosquitoes bite you by night. The population consists of 60 different ethnic groups that speak a hundred different dialects. Islam has a heavy influence accounting for 50% of the native people, followed by 40% voodoo witchcraft and 10% of the people profess to be Christians. The Muslim people are engulfed in false religion. The voodoo belief system forces people to worship idols out of fear. And with the Christian community in the throes of false doctrine, 
their eyes have been blinded. Burkina Faso is a melting pot of diverse cultures and ideologies. It is a land of truly beautiful people that just need to know Jesus Christ. light of truth is bursting forth. The Church of Burkina Faso is experiencing explosive growth. In the last five years, eight new churches have been planted. With eight new church plants going into regions that were previously unreached, we've gone from just 30 members and now we're reaching over 600 all throughout the land of Burkina Faso. Our licensed ministers have quadrupled with 38 Bible school students that graduated with the Word of God planted inside of their heart. Not only are we growing in number, in the atmosphere of the church services, you can see the depth of the church. You can see the depth of the worship. community, fellowship, every dynamic of the church has gone into a new dimension of maturity. God is being faithful to his word and the kingdom of God is pushing forward as he raises up a mighty army to win Burkina Faso in the name of Jesus Christ. influx of converts that are flooding into our churches to hear the word of God, discipleship is of paramount importance. The work there will continue to move forward on two levels. The first level will be the Wendell Gleason Memorial Educational Center. We will be able to provide a facility for men and women of God with the call of God echoing in their heart 
to be able to come and be trained and equipped and sent out into the harvest field to win their villages in the name of Jesus Christ. On the second level, we will be able to go alongside the local church pastor to help them train and raise up leaders to mobilize the church to make disciples. The harvest truly is plentiful and the laborers are few. In order for us to win Burkina Faso, we really need the whole gospel to be preached to all of Burkina Faso by the whole church. There is no one that can reach your village but you. There are people in your life that only you can touch. shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher and And how how shall shall they they preach preach except they be sent amen can we clap our hands to the lord for what he's doing hallelujah we serve a chain-breaking god tonight amen in jesus name and Everything that's happening in Burkina Faso, all around the world, and even in this city here is because you and I, we serve a God that's faithful to his word. Everything that's happening is because he said he was going to do it, and guess what? He's not only saying it, but he's able to do it. Amen? In Jesus' name, we're thankful to be just a small part of what Jesus is doing in West Africa. What I'd like to do before my wife comes up, if we could all stand to our feet, I uh, would like us to... 
to just have a moment of prayer for Burkina Faso. I just want to share something with you. A couple weeks ago, um, Burkina Faso has been known to be uncharacteristically peaceful, uh, an uncharacteristically peaceful country within West Africa. What I mean by that is a lot of the surrounding nations have had a lot of genocide, war, uh, famine. You know, you heard about the Ebola stuff that broke out and everything. And with the demographic that we're dealing with, with such a high concentration of Muslims, it has in the past been uncharacteristically peaceful because the Christian community and the Islamic community cohabitate very well together, which is not uh, not the case in a lot of places. And so what has happened is we've always had a problem up in the north of our country with some Islamic groups. There's places we cannot go. They kidnap people. They have run in and they've tried to institute Sharia law in these different places. But we've had a new threat that has come in the last month or so. There was a an article on CNN about two or three weeks ago that said that the government of Burkina Faso is declaring war on radical Islam. And the reason for that is we're having a mass influx now of these groups trying to jump over our borders. And we have just found out that actually there's another terrorist group that finds its roots in the, in the north of our country. And not only that, we had a revolution about a year and a half ago kicked out the previous military dictator that had been in power for 30 years. If you know anything about Africa, all these leaders, they have their own personal military. And basically what they are, they're just the president's security force, basically. Well, when he left, these guys were not willing to turn over their status in life, and so they tried to lead a coup and all this. Long story short, our military pushed them out. Well, what has happened now is we're getting word that these ex-military, these ex-elite military are now partnering with these radical Islamic groups. And that um, is a whole different conundrum to deal with because those men know the corridors in and out of the country. They know the infrastructure. They know the government buildings and all this kind of stuff. So we have no idea what is on the horizon for our country. But I'm clinging to a scripture we're feeling a lot of pressure from the enemy trying to come in and push south into the capital city. But I'm clinging to a scripture that says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. He's not happy with the growth that's happening, but I've got news for him. The Pentecostals are coming. Amen. The apostolic church is coming. We are not backing down in the name of Jesus, and we are pushing him out. Amen. And so I want us to kind of to pray to that end, like visualize that you are standing on the northern border of our country and you're pushing those spirits back. Amen. We're pushing the darkness back. And amen. I, so if we could all just pray for Burkina Faso right now, I'd really appreciate it. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, so much for what you are doing in Burkina Faso. Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus over every portion of that country. God, we're asking that your angels would surround the border, Lord, I pray, and that you would send back these evil spirits and, and this false doctrine and this false religion. I bind the spirit of Islam right now in the name of Jesus, and I cast it down and I cast it out, Lord, not by our own power, not by our own might, but by your spirit, Jesus, I pray. Let your light shine in the darkness. Hallelujah. Let it uproot the enemy wherever he is tonight. Uh, let no place be safe for him tonight. Uh, hallelujah, Lord. I pray for an abundance of rain, Lord. Let the Holy Ghost be poured out. 
Let there be a wave of revelation, God, sweep over that country in the name of Jesus. Let villages be opened tonight, God, by the word. Hallelujah. Hear our prayers in this place. In the name of Jesus, open up doors for the gospel, I pray. Hallelujah. Let your children go. Hallelujah. Let the enemy let your children go tonight, Jesus. We're believing you, Lord, for a mass influx, a mass harvest of souls in the name of Jesus, even from the Islamic community. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, we push back against the enemy tonight. We could clap our hands to the Lord one more time in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe something happened, amen. I believe that there are some prayers that are being answered. You may not walk the streets of Burkina Faso, but your prayers can reach that country, amen. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, he hears us. He hears us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel victory in the house. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus' name. You may be seated. We appreciate your prayers so much. I'd like to have my wife come up and greet you at this time. If you could welcome her. Her name is Jennifer. Praise the Lord. Thank you for your prayers. I feel faith in the house. It's a sweet presence. Um, I just want to share a quick story. I don't want to take up too much time. Um, But 45% of our population is ages 15 years and younger. So the young people and the children are what we're going after. If you ask, what are you going to do? We're going to reach them one at a time at this age. This is our Emma. Emma was born into a Muslim family. But when she was about this age, seven and eight years old, her mom had passed away and her daddy disowned her. That's a common thing to take place if if mom doesn't make it. The dad um, just kind of pushes the children to the side for other family members to take care of them. And so this is what happened in Emma's life. It was Pastor Israel that received a phone call of the news. And Emma is his niece. Pastor Israel is our vice president of the work in Burkina Faso. So with open arms, as the Burkina Bays normally do, he said, of course, bring her over. We'll take her in. So what Emma was born into is now sleeping at this age under a roof of a pastor with the love of God, the spirit of God, the word of God, the comfort, the peace that she never knew before. At this age, they typically know the Quran, or they're on their way to learning it and memorizing it. So now, Pastor, the Quran is being wiped out of her mind, and the Word of God is coming in, filling her thoughts, her heart. So now, fast forward with me just two or three years. She's 10 and 11. She's not only has a love for the Word of God, but now she's got a love for the things of God. When they clean the church to prepare it, we do things a little bit different over there. We're more worried about the dirt 
kind of kicking up and stirring up to where we can't breathe because we get to worshiping, all that dust kicks up. And so what Emma would do is she would come in with water. She would put it down. She would grab her broom and sweep it out and make sure it's all in order. And then after church, it would be all kicked up from worshiping. She would go back through and make sure it's all back in order. She had a love for the things of God, the house of God. So now fast forward with me another couple years. We've been, we've been away from Burkina Faso for four years now, which is way too long. So a lot's happened. We're just getting updates on Emma. And so now she's with Pastor Israel. And since we've been there, the Bible school is, is taking place at Pastor Israel's church. And so now we have all these young men coming in to to learn the word of God, to study the word of God. And when they come into the church or come into Bible school, they don't just come, get their diploma, and go. They come and become a pastor and go do the work of God. They mean business. So now we have all these potential pastors. Emma's a little bit older. She is a gem. Her spirit, sweet, everything about her, just you just want to be around her. And so now Victor is one of our students. Victor was unique in his own way because we would always have um, prayer after Bible school. And it would just sometimes be the norm. And, of course, sometimes it would break out. And you would find Victor in the back of the church, in the corner. Literally, I wish I had a picture of water, a puddle around him. In that puddle is a combination of sweat and tears. He would just drip the sweat of travail. You could just see that something was being birthed inside of him. Well, what it was, was a desire and a hunger for the people back in his village. So Victor's gone back out to the village. He's not only started one church, but he's begun four churches. The fifth one is on its way and in the makes right now. When they get seven churches, they are going, I know Texas, what do we have, four or five districts? When they have seven, they become their own district. Victor is going to be the presbyter of his district, of his own churches. Well, just in February, just a couple months ago, Victor came back to the village and said, I want to marry Emma. She's 18 and 19 years old, and Emma is going to be the pastor's wife of a presbyter. You say, how are we going to reach him in Burkina Faso? Honestly, we don't know. 17 million, a lot. 50% Muslim, 40% voodoo. We don't know. But we know that if we can get him at this age, time goes quick. It seems like we were just with Emma at this age, and now she's become a young lady. And she's, she's loving the, the things of God. I wanted, I felt in my spirit to tell the young people that... For me, I was 12 years old, and I was laying down at the altar, and I said, God, if you'll send me, I'll go. I had missions on my mind and in my heart. And it was just a couple minutes later that somebody came over and said, if you'll go, he'll send you. And so if God's speaking to you, even some of the the elders, if God's speaking to you, don't stop where you're at. There's always something that we can do. Emma had no idea what she was going to become. But when we give God everything that we have, there's no telling what he can do. So with, um, with that in mind about the seven churches, we have two churches that are in need of being built. 
We have potential Bible school students that are right now in Bible school being educated, and they've got a desire to go back out to the village and begin a church. We can build a church for $3,000. I don't know what it costs to build this beautiful building, but when we build a church, we normally have at least two or 300 packed in, and there's still not enough room. The problem is we don't have enough people, and we don't have enough churches. The people are hungry. So if you're interested in helping us build a church, that's the project that we're working on here. Just talk to your pastor or grab one of these forms, um, and that one-time offering will go towards that. Um, we are 78% finished. Is that right? 78% finished of raising our partners. And what that is is a monthly, if you don't know, that's a monthly commitment that keeps us there for four years at a time. 78%, we've been traveling almost two years now. One of my babies was two months old, and the other one was born on the road. And so if you want, we need roughly three to four individuals from every church, and we can be done in five or six weeks. We're trying to think of a way to speed this up. So we need to get the individuals and the church on board. So if you want to help get us back to Burkina Faso, that's this paper here. It's typically a $50 a month pledge um, for as long as you can do it or as short as you can do it. It all counts. They told us, how do you um, eat an elephant? And we remind ourselves that all the time, one bite at a time. And so don't underestimate what you can do. Thank you for allowing us to come. Thank you for your prayers. I feel that we broke something spiritually during the prayer. I appreciate it. God bless you. Amen. Jesus' name. We appreciate your, your part. I mean, we can't go, obviously, without the American church and, and all that kind of stuff. But I can assure you tonight, we will not go without your prayers. We need the prayer covering of the American church. Because you can imagine, you know, a 50% Islamic country, the security risks are astronomical. So we need, we need your prayers. Amen. So we appreciate that. Uh, without any further delay, I do have just a couple of scriptures I want to share with you. I'm not sure what time you guys normally get out of here. Um, I'll try to kind of hasten and get into the word. Um, I just feel like, you know, the Bible says that we're supposed to provoke each other unto good works, right? And I just, I feel like I'm here to try to provoke somebody out of their comfort zone tonight, to, to provoke somebody um, to get involved like you've never been involved. Is there anybody in here that wants to get involved in the work of God like you've never been involved? Amen. He's got a plan for every person under the sound of my voice tonight. He's got a ministry for every one of us. Do we believe that? Amen. Jesus' name. And I believe God would like to talk to us tonight. And so I want to turn your attention to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 3, and verses 1 through 7. And then after that, I want to go to 1 Kings, chapter 19, and verses 11 and 12. So 1 Samuel chapter 3, starting at verse 1, it says, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days because there was no open vision. How many of you know that the word of the Lord is a precious thing? Amen. His word is precious. But this scripture isn't so much talking about the written word as it's talking about God's spoken word. 
to us? How many of you believe that the Lord would like to have an individual relationship with each and every one of us? And he would desire to to talk to us not only collectively as a church, but as individuals, amen, because he's got an individual purpose for each one of us. Verse 2, it says, And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place, and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep that the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here am I, for you called me. And Eli said, I called not, go and lie down again. And so Samuel, he went and he laid down. And verse 6 says something very important. It says, And the Lord called yet again Samuel. You know, I'm thankful for God's persistence and his patience with us. Because his word won't just come to us one time. But it will come back to us again and again and again and again. He will continue to knock on the door of our life until we decide to open that door. I'm thankful that he does that. And furthermore, it says, and he said, I called you not. Go and lie down again because Samuel arose and he went to Eli again. And so Samuel, he went and he laid down. And verse 7 says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. Can everyone say revealed? Is it possible that, that Jesus could be desiring to talk to me and talk to you on a daily basis and we may not even recognize his voice for what it is? Because Samuel heard God, but he ran to, the, to Eli, right? That's a safe place to go. But God was wanting him to say, here I am. Your servant heareth, right? He wanted him to respond back. He was trying to have an individual thing there. And I, and I believe that there's many reasons in our postmodern American culture why we don't hear the Lord like we should. But there's one that I want to kind of focus on for a few minutes tonight. And I believe it can be found in 1 Kings chapter 19. In verses 11 and 12. Verse 11 it says, And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains, and it broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a still, small voice. Can everyone say a still, small voice? Almost like a whisper, if you will, right? I just want to preach for a few minutes about the whisper of God. The whisper of God. Can we pray real quick one more time before we get into the word? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house, God. Who is man, Lord, that you're even mindful of us, Lord? But, but furthermore, Lord, who are we that you would literally come down from on high and desire to talk to us, Lord? Because I can assure us tonight, Lord, that you do desire to talk to us because you have a job that you desire for us to do, Lord. And that is to carry on your mission of seeking and saving the lost, Lord. Help us to posture ourselves in a way that we can hear you speaking help us to not just be a hearer of the word but be a doer 
of the word tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. You may be seated. So the, the, the whisper of God, you know, once again, in our postmodern American culture, there's, there's a lot of different reasons why I don't think we, we hear the Lord like we should. And a lot of it comes down to the technology that's in our back pocket. Now, don't get me wrong. I love gadgets. I love technology and all that kind of stuff. I, I'm an avid deer hunter, and so when I walk down the, the aisles of Bass Pro Shop, I'm a sucker for the latest gadget to give you an edge in the whitetail woods, okay? So I appreciate technology. I appreciate advances in technology that we have. But, you know, the thing is, is what's happening is all this technology and all these different apps and all this stuff that we have, you know, it's forming thousands and millions of screaming voices. And what's happening is it's clogging our ears. And, you know, we're hearing what CNN is saying about ISIS in the Middle East. Um, I'm not meaning this to be a joke because I know what my last name is, but I am a sports guy, okay? And so for me, uh, ESPN.com, I'm trying to keep up with the latest sports scores and all that kind of stuff. And so we can keep tabs on just about every area of our lives. And, and when we wake up in the morning, we're presented with all kinds of different needs, cares of the day. I've got three children, so I'm very much uh, understanding that, you know, as soon as you wake up in the morning, it's off to the races with the kids. Dirty diapers, breakfast, whatever the case may be. The task list doesn't stop, right? So I understand that we all got stuff that we need to take care of. So don't misunderstand me tonight. But the thing is, is all of us, I think, could, could push some things aside for a little while. We can hush ESPN.com. I'm talking to myself here. We can hush down CNN, and we can push those things aside. And I believe that if we would, we would indeed hear a voice from another world that is trying to call out to the church in this hour. Amen. How many of you believe that Jesus is trying to get the attention of the church? Amen. He says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen. And it's because he's got a job for us to do. He put the church here for one purpose, and that is to be a soul-winning machine, a disciple-making machine. Amen. And, and what a glorious thing that we have the opportunity to be a part of. Amen. The kingdom of God, the work of God, it's such a privilege to be a part of it. And the thing is, is that God and, and all the work of God and, and evangelism and all that kind of stuff, we need to hear his voice. We need to hear him talking to us about the people, not just in the sanctuary, but the people when we go to the grocery store. The people when we show up at the gas pump, young people, the people that are in your schools that you walk by on a daily basis. Young people, how many of you know that God has you in your school for a purpose? Amen. He has you there because of what you have a hold of. And I would venture to say that there are countless teens and countless people in your school that need exactly what you have. Amen. In Jesus name. But the question is, do we want to be used? We're all so abundantly blessed, amen? And I'm, I'm thankful for his peace. I'm thankful for the blessings of God. But we're not blessed just to be blessed. We are blessed so that we can be a blessing to somebody else. And that includes sharing the greatest blessing that we've ever received. And that's the Holy Ghost in Jesus Christ, amen? We've got to share him. But how many of you know that 
the Lord and all the work of God and all that kind of stuff. He desires to use people to reach people. I know that sounds as so simple, but it's so true. He desires to use people to reach people because guess what? He doesn't have an earthly body per se walking around the earth anymore, does he? He's got his body, the church, and that's us. We're supposed to be his hands and his feet, right? And so God wants to use people to reach people, and that's kind of my testimony. I'm just going to be transparent and just share a few things from my heart tonight. Is that okay? I uh, I wasn't born and raised in church. I got in church in June of 2008. I received the Holy Ghost in a mission service kind of like this. Um, Brother Willoughby had came through from Singapore. I don't know if there's anybody in here who knows who Brother Willoughby was. But uh, he came through our church there in St. Charles, Missouri. And that's the only time I'd ever heard him preach in person. But guess what? That's all it took. I believe in the power of one service. Somebody can walk through these doors and be sin sick to the core. And because of the Holy Ghost, because of the preached word of God, their life can be forever altered. Amen. That was my my testimony. I, uh, you know, I um, the reason why I was even in that service, this is kind of the point that I'm trying to make with the story is because of a kid that I went to high school with. You see, the Lord, he, he has this way of planting people in our lives. And we don't have a clue why he put them there. We might maybe have an impression, but we really don't know the full reason why these people are around us. And, and, and the thing is, is that he knows exactly what he's doing. And I, uh, I played football with a kid named Justin in high school. And um, when I met him and when we were kind of running around and having our heyday playing football and all this kind of stuff, it was completely out of season for what the purpose truly was for why God brought him into my life. How many of you know that the Lord has an ordained timing and a season for everything, right? And it was only just a matter of time. It was actually about four years or so that, that I would actually figure out why Justin had came into my life. And, you know, there's people that they kind of come in and out, and there's some people that they come and they stay. And uh, Justin was one of those that came and, and he stayed. And what happened was is we graduated high school, hadn't seen him for probably two years or so, and uh, he eventually had gone to the Pentecostal church that I would eventually go to, and he received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He walked in off the streets, no prior teaching, heard the preaching of the word. He received that word, and he just came down to an old-fashioned altar and raised his hands, and boom, God just filled him with the Holy Ghost just like that. I believe that God does stuff like that. Amen. It doesn't have to be a grueling process. If you just receive the, he said that they that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. We just got to open ourselves up, but the key is we have to want to change. And I find it significant that the person that the Lord sent into my life to reach me was a person that had got delivered from the lifestyle that I was currently in. You see, before I came to this mission service and received the Holy Ghost, and when Justin ran into me in a place of business one day, I was a drug addict. I was an alcoholic. I was abusing alcohol and prescription drugs. I was, I was trying to get my hands on anything I could to medicate my problem. 
And what was happening was I was trying to fill a God-shaped void with that world out there, and it doesn't work. It will never work. Amen. You might try to fill it with relationships. You might try to fill it with the accumulation of stuff. But what ends up happening is it never satisfies. It never satisfies. And guess what? God designed it that way. It was a divine setup from the beginning because he created us not to be satisfied with anything else besides his presence, besides the Holy Ghost. And so when we receive that experience, it's like the square peg, you know, finds the the square hole and we become whole. Amen. I think a whole lot of problems could be fixed if some people would just come into the church, raise their hands at an altar, and have an experience with God. Amen. There's a lot of chains that could be broken. There's a lot of mending that could happen. There's a lot of healing that could happen just from God's presence. Amen. But the thing is, we're living in a world that's trying to fix our problems diplomatically. They're trying to fix it with the government, all this kind of stuff. And sometimes the things we go through, it's a spiritual problem. And it can only be fixed by Almighty God. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful that we don't just serve a God that's bound to the pages of a book. But rather when we, when we speak his name and when we preach his word, he not only is on the pages of that word, but he steps off of that word. He walks into our service and he will touch our lives and he will make the difference in our lives. Amen. And um, it, was, it was a powerful thing. I mean, I had been lost in darkness and to come into a, a Pentecostal church and, and be sin sick to the core all kinds of addictions, all this stuff, and to come down to an altar, the, the, the most simplest thing, I tried to go to AA, I tried to go to NA, I tried to do all these things, but guess what? It wasn't a 12-step program that could help me. It was a three-step program, and it's called Acts 2.38, amen? Just a three-step program, just repent of your sins, go down in that water in the name of Jesus, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And it broke every single chain in my life. We are living and we are serving a God that is able. What we have a hold of is the real thing, amen? It's the real thing. And I'm thankful for that. And, and uh Justin, you know, he, how that whole process started, he just walked into a place of business. He had had the Holy Ghost for eight months, okay? Walked into this place of business, thought it was just a, a normal day. Um, how many of you know that if you're walking with God, no day is a normal day? Because we serve a God that will fill our appointment book. If we'll let them, right? You know, those divine appointments, the people you, you run into. And it blows my mind at how God can orchestrate our steps. If you ever want to see the sovereignty of God, look at some, some, some events that happen in our lives, you know, and, and just the timing of events. And it just blows my mind sometimes at how God leads us. And, and so Justin walked into this place of business, and what happened was is, as he kind of walked into the door, I'd say off to my left here, and I was kind of turned around in this direction or so, and I, and I turned around right as he was walking in the door, and he just so happened to walk in the door. didn't look this way, didn't look this way. He looked this way, and I was the first person that he saw when he walked through the door. And when that happened, he felt like God just kind of whispered to him and said, I need you to go talk to Zach and, and share with him what I've just done in your life eight months ago. 
And just a, just a whisper from God. You know, there was no angel that showed up at his bedside. There was no thunderclap from heaven. I'm not saying God can't do that because he does do that. But many times his mode that he chooses to communicate with us is that still, small voice. Because he's a gentleman, right? He's not going to kick down the door of our life. If anything, he does what he says in the book of Revelation. He says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And he says, if any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into their life and I will have fellowship with them and, and they with me. Can I tell you, that is the most important door you could ever open in your life. It's not that, you know, you know, you see those, you know, videos of people that get so excited when Publishers Clearinghouse shows up at their house and they get that $50,000 check and they just, they're running out in the street and they're all excited and all this kind of stuff. Can I tell you, that's not the most important door you'll ever open. If Donald Trump himself showed up on your front porch and knocked on your door, you'd probably get a little excited. Can I tell you, that's not the most important door you could ever open in your life. The most important door you and I could ever open is when Jesus decides to walk down the path of our life, walk up onto the porch, hallelujah, and begin to knock on the door of our heart. That is the most important door that we could ever open. And we've got to let him have his way, right? We've got to let him have his way. But I'm thankful that, that Justin, you know, when he, when he saw me, I don't know what I looked like that day, but I definitely knew what I felt like on the inside. And uh, we can't underestimate the eternal weight of our actions in a moment of faith. When God speaks to us, that's exactly what we're presented with. When he, when he says a word to us, we can either say yes to what he's saying or we can say, oh, no, 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 no. We can back up. You're presented with that moment of faith. But can I tell you, don't shrug him off because maybe somebody's salvation is waiting for you to answer that call or to respond to that nudge you feel. Maybe a miracle is waiting for you to just step one foot out of your boat, amen, out of the comfort zone. That's where the miracle was for Peter, right? Was out one footstep outside the boat. And a physical impossibility happened. But I'm thankful that Justin looked at me that day through eyes of faith. He didn't see me for what I was in the moment, but rather he was listening to that voice that was saying, share with him what I've done. Share with him what I've done in your life. And he, would, he went with that voice, and he allowed him to be the judge instead of himself being the judge of my situation. Because there's some people that we run into, and God might speak to us about them. And you're like, oh, my goodness, they don't look like they're hungry at all for you, Lord. But usually those are the people that are the most hungry, amen. They are the ones that are, that are hurting the most, amen. And uh, I'm thankful that uh, he just reached out a hand that day. He felt something, and he just reached out a hand. And I, and I believe that if he could have saw into the Spirit, he, he, he would have seen me drowning in my sin, and I didn't have a life raft. I don't know any one of us, right, that would be on a boat in a lake somewhere and you drive past a person and they're flailing their arms. You can obviously see that they're drowning and you just pass by them and say, oh, hey, have a nice day and just keep going, right? None of us would willingly say that, that we would do that. But I wonder, the homeless person we pass by on the street, 
our drug addicted loved one or backslidden loved one, whatever the case may be, we pass by them day after day after day. And something within them is just crying out for God. Something because that's what they really need, right? All the physical needs that we have in Africa, the empty bellies, the, the sickness and all that kind of stuff. There's so many physical needs that are represented. But really what it comes down to, it's a spiritual need that they need. And so we just got to be a, a hand of compassion to, to, to reach out to those and, and share our testimony. Share what God, I know that sounds so simple too, but I believe sometimes, you know, we can go, we can just get practical with God and go back to the basics. Every one of us has some kind of contact with God, and because of that, he's given us a testimony, right? And so we can't be afraid to use that testimony because really when it comes down to it, besides the gospel, it's the most powerful tool for evangelism that we have. Because this world isn't hungry for necessarily religion anymore. They want an experience. They want relationship. And and who better to offer that to them than us? Because we offer them a God that's tangible, right? He shows up in our services. He, He comes down and he responds to our prayers. And so we've got to open up our mouths and share what the Lord has done. But I think many times what happens is, is, We don't share our stories for a lot of reasons, but I think it falls into three categories a majority of the time. One, we're ashamed of what we went through in our past. Can I get an amen? Some things that we went through that we're not happy about, we're not pleased about. Number two, we don't understand the things that we went through. And number three, a lot of times we feel like nobody wants to hear the story. And can I tell you that all three of those things are absolute lies? We don't have to be ashamed of what we went through because guess what? The key is, is we went through it, right? God brought us through that valley. And he says, if any man is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature, right? Old things have passed away and it says, behold or look forward because all things are becoming new. You're not the same person that you were last week. You're not the same person that you were five years ago, ten years ago when God got a hold of your life. But somehow, as we walk down that pathway with God, we still beat ourselves up for stuff that God's already forgiven us about. Amen? We don't need to feel shame anymore. And if we really believed our Bibles, you know, when it says his ways are high above our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, well, there's just some stuff we're really not going to understand. And I would ask God so many questions. I would say, you know, because coming out of the world and into this Pentecostal experience and all the the peace that you feel and the strength from God that you feel from the Holy Ghost and all that, it's an amazing thing. My mind was absolutely blown to, to walk into a service, have all kinds of addictions, and God just take them out of your body. I felt like he just reached in and he took all this stuff out and healed me of all that stuff. So my mind was absolutely blown. I was like, wow, this is amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm feeling this peace and this power and all this stuff. But what happened was I began to ask a lot of questions. God, I'm feeling you so overwhelmingly strongly right now. But where were you when I was one years old and my parents got divorced? Where were you when... My stepfather was abusive and all these things. Where were you when I I was venturing down that road of drugs and all this kind of stuff? Where were you in the midst of all that? Why did I have to go through all those things? And I didn't realize that I was asking a selfish question. Because it was all about me. 
It was all about my pain. Why did I have to feel that? Why did I have to go through that? And the Lord was about to show me something. What happened was is he opened up a door for me to teach a Bible study at the county jail that I had previously been locked up in. And I've been asking all these questions, right? And I walked into that pod that night, and I had my Bible and had a guy from our church with me. And as I walked into that room, the light bulb went on. And tears began to flow down my face. I had to repent right there. I said, Lord, you got to forgive me because I've been asking a selfish question. You know, you didn't bring me through all that stuff just for me. You brought me through all of that for the sake of somebody else. That's a powerful place to be when you pass through your storm and you're out on the other side. And instead of that weapon that the enemy formed against you taking you out, you're using that thing against him in somebody else's life. That's what the Lord wants to do with our testimony. Don't be ashamed of the stuff you went through in the past because the thing that was meant to try to take you out will become the weapon that you fight against him in somebody else's life. And what I mean by that is I could stand there and I could look those guys in the face and know exactly where they were in that moment. Why? Because I had sat there six months prior. I know where you guys are. I know exactly where you are. But guess what? You don't have to stay there because I found a way out, guys. And his name is Jesus Christ. If you want that weight of sin to come off of your life, guess what? You've got to go down in water in the name of Jesus. And you've got to receive the Holy Ghost. Amen? But I could only stand there and declare that to them because of what I had been through. Don't despise the things that God brings you through. He wants to use it for his glory. Amen. Amen. I just want to share one more quick story and I'll close. I think what happens a lot of times is we limit ourselves. We put ourselves in these cute little boxes and put a lid on our own potential. Can I tell you, God is not putting the lid on your potential. If anything, he's saying, I gave you the Holy Ghost. Now, guess what? The sky is the limit. Go now and turn this world upside down or right side up. Amen. But what happens is is we limit ourselves because we know the qualifications and talents that we think we do have or we don't have. We know who we were yesterday. You know, we're just little old, I'm just little old Zach, Lord. I mean, I have an easy time believing that God can use Brother Stone King or God can use Brother Robinette. Or it's easy for me to believe that, that God could use Pastor Gleason or whatever the case may be. But it's hard for me to believe that, Lord, you know what? You're not a respecter of persons. You're a respecter of choices. Amen? He wants to use every one of us. And we can't forfeit the things that God desires to give us because of our unbelief in ourselves. He believed enough in us to come down from on high and bleed on a cross for us. Not only be buried in that tomb, but to rise from that tomb and then to pour out the Spirit upon us. Amen? He is empowering us to do what he's asked us to do. And there's a guy in Burkina Faso. His name is Kinda. A couple pictures in the video. He was kind of praying for uh, another young man in the church there. And in the very last video clip, 
you would see I was leading an altar call trying to speak in my broken French there a little bit. And uh, if, if the camera would have zoomed out a little bit, you would have seen Kenda because he's like 6'5", okay? He's a hulking mound of a man. And, and in some of our churches, the ceiling obviously isn't as, as tall as it is here. And so standing at the pulpit and you've got a guy that's 6'5", looming over you while you're preaching was kind of an intimidating thing and uh, he was kind of stoic face so I didn't know what was going through his mind as I was preaching but uh, come to find out you know something was actually something was touching his heart and in that service Kinda received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and how many of you it doesn't matter how big they are it doesn't matter what background they come from the Holy Ghost can melt anybody's heart amen we just got to give them an opportunity and uh, so he received the Holy Ghost, but what I didn't realize at this particular moment is he was a Muslim. He was a Muslim. I'm telling you, there is a wind that is beginning to blow through the house of Islam. Amen? There is a wind that is beginning to blow because guess what? They're already one God people, right? They just don't know what his name is. They're already modest people. They're some of the most modest people you ever meet. They're covered from, from head to toe. We just got to work with them on what his name is, right? And so I, uh, so he was a Muslim, but also the thing that was unique about Kinda's story is in that moment, he was completely illiterate. Couldn't read, couldn't write, nothing. So the point is he could have made a lot of excuses to not get involved to think, mistakenly think that he didn't have any potential to do anything for God. You know, he could have made a lot of excuses. He could have said, you know, God, I can't teach a Bible study because I can't read. I can't do this because I can't do that, all this kind of stuff. But instead of getting down on what he couldn't do, he did the one thing that he could do. And I know this is simple, but that was pray. He began to cultivate a relationship with God, and he stumbled across a spiritual principle that Jesus said. He said, what your father sees in secret, I'm going to reward you in the open, right? All ministry is the outgrowth of the roots that we put down in our prayer life, right? And so he just began to sow seeds and, and cultivate a relationship with God. And the Bible says that the effectual, fervent prayers of a righteous man will availeth much, will accomplish much. And so Kinda just began, like I said, to, to cultivate this relationship with God. And he got up one day, got on his little moped and started speeding down the streets of Ouagadougou, zipping in and out of traffic, donkey carts, people, kids running everywhere, all this kind of stuff. And as he was driving down this one particular street, he saw up in the distance there was this big mob of people standing there. And he thought that was kind of odd and kind of slowed down a little bit. And as he drove, up, drove past the crowd, he looked off into the ditch, and there was a man that was just laying in the ditch, eyes closed, completely motionless. And he thought that was kind of unique, but as he passed by, he felt the Lord just kind of whisper to him something like, you need to go pray for this guy that's laying on the ground. Just a Still a small voice, you know, just a, just an impression in his mind to just get off of his moto and go pray for this guy. And so Kinda didn't ask any questions. He turned around and with childlike faith pulled over on the side of the road. And nothing happened until he went to get up off of his moto and took one step towards the guy that laid on the ground. And then something began to transmit 
in the Holy Ghost. Tears began to flow down his face, and this burden from the Lord came over him. Can I tell you, there are some things that won't happen until you take one step. Take one step. And what Kinda didn't realize is 20 minutes prior to his arrival, this young man had gotten into a fist fight with somebody. He got punched in the face, he fell backwards, and he smashed the back of his head on a concrete block. And that was it. His life in that moment was over. And can I tell you, Jesus didn't send him a medical professional. We don't have ambulances. We don't have any of that stuff in the country that we're going to. God didn't choose to send him an extravagant vessel, somebody that that thought that he was something, that thought he could do anything. No, God sent him an ex-Muslim man. That he couldn't read and he couldn't write, yes, but guess what? He could hear the whisper of God in his life. And can I tell you, the Lord put him exactly where he wanted him to accomplish the reason why he put him there. And he walked over to him, got down on his knees and began to pray. And tears flowing down on his face, put his hand on his head, and he just started rebuking whatever it was and been praying for him with his eyes closed. And about 30 seconds later, he opened up his eyes and he looked down and the guy was looking at him in his face. God had rose that guy from the dead. Amen. Can I tell you tonight that that is the same power that rests in you and I? You don't have to have a theological degree to have it. All you got to do is have the Holy Ghost and a compassionate heart to reach out to somebody, to have a burden for the lost. Amen. You can make a difference in this world. It doesn't matter who you were or who you think you are. It's about what he wants to do through us. Amen. Let's all stand. Jesus' name. I think sometimes we look out into the world, seven and a half billion people in the world. That's a lot of people. And guess what? He tells us that he's not willing that any of them should perish, but that all of them should come to repentance. God, I I hear that. And 17 million people in Burkina Faso, and you're not willing that any of them, should perish, but that all should come to repent. Lord, how are we going to reach 17 million people? Many times, my heart just wants to break under the the weight of that many people. Really, God, 17 million people? And he has to remind me, Zach, you're not going to reach 17 million people by yourself. You're going to reach them one soul at a time. One person at a time. I uh, came across a a little, I guess, an illustration, if you will. There's a story about a guy that was walking on the ocean. Or not walking on the ocean, but walking on the beach next to the ocean. And the waves were crashing down, and the sun was high up in the sky, blazing heat. and, And off in the distance, he saw this other guy walking down the beach. And every so often, he would bend down, and he was picking something up, and... He'd hold it for a few seconds, and he'd throw it out in the ocean. This guy was kind of intrigued. He watched him for about five or ten minutes, and he's like, man, I've got to figure out what this guy is doing. He was doing just walking every few feet, and he'd pick something up and throwing it out. I was like, man, what's this guy doing? And so he went to catch up with him, 
And what he figured out was this guy was walking down the beach that day, and every so often he was picking up a starfish, and he would dust it off, and he threw it out in the ocean. And he says, sir, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued. I've been watching you for about 15 minutes or so now. What, what are you trying to accomplish here? And he says, well, he says all these starfish have been washed up by the tide. And he said, you, the sun that's in the sky right now, if these starfish sit here all day, they're going to die. He says, so I'm just trying to do my part. I'm just walking by and I'm picking them up and I'm throwing them back in the ocean so that they can live. And the guy kind of laughed and mockingly said, he says, sir, do you realize how big this beach is? He said, yeah. He said, do you see that there are countless thousands of starfish that have washed up on the shore? He said, yeah. And he said, furthermore, do you realize that there's probably countless beaches all across the world that this is happening, and you couldn't possibly make a difference in all of them. And instead of, you know, responding to the guy's mocking, he just walked another couple feet, picked up another starfish, and he held it in his hand, and he dusted the sand off of it, and he threw it out in the ocean. He looked the guy right in the face, and he said, I made a difference in that one, didn't I? God's not asking us individually to reach seven and a half billion people he's not asking us to reach a thousand people just by ourselves what he's asking us tonight to do is to have an awareness of mind of the people that have washed up on the shore of our life and to have an open enough heart to be able to pick them up again bring them to the water in the name of Jesus, bring them to God. Amen. I wonder if there's any of us in here that wants to be used by God in your life. I don't know what limitations you've put on yourself, but I can tell you tonight, God put in you a limitless power and a limitless ability and a limitless purpose in your life. And he just wants you to open yourself up to what the possibilities are in your daily life. I want to open up these altars and I want to just do, I want to do something specific. I know that this is a Burkina Faso mission service, but I just feel a burden for this church. I feel a burden for this city. And, and I want us to think about, I think all of us tonight, if we closed our eyes and just thought for about 30 seconds, every one of us could think of one person that is in our lives on a daily basis that you know without a shadow of a doubt the Lord would love to see them. Up at this altar, lifted hands, receiving the Holy Ghost, being delivered, being healed, whatever the case may be. I want us to, I believe God's put somebody on, on your mind already. And I want us to, to bring that person. They may not be here physically, but they can be here in spirit. As you lift up their name to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And as we lift up that name, let's mix some faith with it. Amen. There's power released in our faith. And I want us to visualize that person coming into this church, coming down to this altar, and receiving whatever it is that they need. Amen? Can we do that tonight? Can we come up to this altar and, and pray? It may be a backslidden loved one. It may be a coworker. It may be a classmate. Whatever the case may be. But I want to lift that name up to the King of Kings, the one who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. And if we all would get a burden for one soul, 
to reach one soul, there would not be a building big enough to contain them. Lord Jesus, we thank you tonight for this precious truth that we have a hold of. God, we thank you for the the precious treasure that you've led into our lives, and that is people. You're desiring to touch their lives, Lord, and you've put us in their lives for a purpose. God, help us to have a vision beyond ourselves, to, to have a burden for the lost, Lord. And I pray that it would be a fire shut up in somebody's bones, Lord, that, that cannot be contained. God, equip us. We give our hands to you tonight, Lord, to be used, God. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me, Jesus. Hallelujah. I give you the permission to blow my mind, Lord, with what you desire to do through me. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.